Welcome to episode 432 of the Overlook Hour. I am your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. Yes, this is the second recording of the day, but it is also the first recording of the day that Russell John the Fisherman does not have on his patented scary hat. Yeah, I forgot it in the stairwell. (laughs) The classic (laughs) place to forget one's headwear. The stairwell. I did. I ran... (laughs) Walk me through that journey. Was the, I, um, was the was the second flight of stairs so arduous that you removed your cap to uh, dry your brow, and then you just found a resting place for the cap? And then in that two second exchange, you forgot the existence of said hat. Um, I'm just, also pretty proud of how I titled that horse together. Despite what people might believe, it's not the most comfortable hat. And uh, oh. recently, either my head got bigger or smaller, but. I've had to adjust it every time I wear it. So I just oh, I took the fucking thing off as I ran downstairs to get audio clips. So I hope everybody's excited for the return of morning radio here. Now I'm also, I'm, I'm very interested. Uh, sorry, I had to stay on this hat thing for a second. Okay. <laughs> I'm very interested th- of how you described uh, how people would think that it is comfortable. Why would you assume that we think it's comfortable? Because you have, you have been very explicit about explaining the price point yeah. of said hat or are you talking more about the construction of said hat? And we think that by looking at the hat, oh, so that looks like a nice fitting hat. I think um, people have to question why I'm wearing it. It's like it doesn't look very good. It costs a lot of money, they know, because they said it. So the only thing that could be is comfortable. But it's not. It's really um, an ode to my stubbornness and uh, just proving Oksana wrong, that but it was see- worth but I would, because I know you, I would say that's with all of your wardrobe. <laughs> so I no. think it, I think it's a perfect fit. The problem with the hat is that it's a thing you have to, it's an in addition. So most, New of, addition. most of my wardrobe is uh, what's in front of me immediately when yeah. I wake up. And, you know, so it's kind of, uh, you know, I'm like Albert Einstein. I don't want to waste my brain energy on wardrobe. Why? I know that very much. <laughs> That's why one day I'm, I will formally introduce you to the wonderful world of watches, where then you're going to start oh, matching no. your fits, bro. And it's going to be sick. I used to match with my shoes, but I haven't taken that journey yet. That's okay. We'll I get know, there. Get it's back. Step by step. Also joining us step by step, hand in hand, is Randy Michaelstad over there in Atlanta, Georgia. Randy, now, are you, uh-huh. are you a, uh, do you plan your fits out uh, every day? Or do you are you a you no. a grab it and go guy like Russ Dog here? Pretty much a grab it and go. I have a pair of black jeans that I wear pretty much every day. Then I wash on the weekend, and then I just choose a random T-shirt that I yeah. feel feels good for the day. Yeah, I'm, I don't put a whole lot of thought into it outside of that. I know everything's got to match. You understand the ma- the sure. shoes and the watch have to match. Russell, your thoughts. I think it's easy for you because you can only see like two colors. Thank you so much. Now, why do you think I have so much <laughs> navy and black? I know. It's not on purpose. Hey, it works. <laughs> That's eight. Hey, keep the bar low, I've, but you know where the bar is. So what happened? Why are you doing the uh, moob gray today? Because I, again, it's uh, the moob gray. <laughs> I know. Before we were recording, Randy made an offhanded, very mean spirited joke that uh, Clark had uh, moobs and. His new what athleisure wear? 
Guys, for the record, I've been wearing this for months, <laughs> and there have been ample opportunities to see my bosoms in this word. in this ninety eight ninety two percent polyester, eight uh, percent nylon blend hoodie that I wear. Hell yeah! There, I wear it because it is the most comfortable I, thing I've ever owned. Yeah, it looks very comfortable. And it, oh yeah, and let me tell you, my B cups are resting nice. Burn the bra, dude. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, if I wear this, if I wear this bad boy out, I have a jacket over (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Nice formal jacket. Yeah. I try to, uh, I try to have some self-awareness on that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You killed the fashion (laughs) show. We had a good thing going. No, we didn't. (laughs) Okay. Morning radio. What clips do you have? You're going to (laughs) intro. I know she's in the booth, but I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't see her. I used to, she was in my field of vision before and I don't see her. She didn't pipe up. It's Oksana Valerian of Osachi. Hello. Wearing the two colors that you own a lot of. So you should be able to see me. (laughs) Again, that giant screen. I know. It's like, it's, it feels like I'm in a whole nother room. No, Oksana, I'm looking at, and I've, I've taken off my sunglasses. Are we calling that Navy? That's more, I think so. I think that's purple. That's not navy. That's not navy. It's not purple. There's a blue tone to that gray. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. 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 But <laughs> it, it looks purplish. It's not purple. <laughs> I wish. I would like it more if it was purple. Hey, but it's not navy, and you don't have an excuse to call it that. <laughs> so I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, as far as morning radio, yeah. There was, you know, I, I know I talk a lot about YouTube on this show. I, it's really becoming part of my brand. I think YouTube cinema. <laughs> I I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you spit all over you. <laughs> the thing <laughs> I I need to be. I want to be the Criterion Channel for YouTube. We're gonna start making physical medium because here's the other problem. YouTube, you know, uh, you think it's up there forever until you know the politics shift a little bit, and then you're. Gone forever. Is that why you love living in San Bruno so much? Because you were three miles away from no. HQ of, of Dude, YouTube? Did I ever talk about that? Um, Kaja, like the second guest ever on this show, he DM'd me and was like, hey, I'm reading the book on YouTube. I guess there's a book about the creation of YouTube. Okay. And in the book, there's a part where they talk about how they did all their early planning and meeting at the Fridays I worked at. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. whoa. Damn. Fuck them. They were so fucking rude because that book is kind of it's almost like a biopic like oh remember the days did they tip well no Mm. here's the other thing fridays it was a weird building um there were two floors in one big room so you actually had to walk up to the back we had no booths in there and everybody would be like i want to send a booth and it's like oh we don't have any this is a fine dining establishment (laughs) um and we had outdoor area but here's the thing it's in fucking San Bruno. So most of the time you don't want to eat outdoors. So it wasn't really built to like, it wasn't built for convenience to wait on a table outdoors. Yeah. You know who always ate outdoors? Mm. The fucking YouTube idiots. And they all had their little pocket dogs and they're like, oh, we want apple teenies. And it's like, like, dude, maybe we have a bartender on staff because this is right when it would open. So you're walking through huge double doors, two sets of them. You had to go through the foyer. Heavy double doors holding a tray of apple teenies. One out of three times, they weren't going to make it. 
you get out there and the people, I remember the one time they tipped that people were juiced. They gave us shirts. I didn't even get one. I didn't work that day, but they gave people a white shirt that said YouTube on it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Worth it. Dude, fuck them. <laughs> they were fucking rude. Now, do you, can you give us a, a year stamp? I have no idea. 2008 maybe or this earlier. is early youtube i there was a dude who i worked with i think i talked about it on here and he got hired by youtube as a content imagineer or some shit and it, his job was to figure out what people are going to want to watch on youtube and if i had a time machine i would have said cat videos right yeah and, <laughs> but at the time they gave him a studio it sounds like a train out there right it sounds like ambient music. It's weird. Where's that coming from? Randy, can you hear that? No, not picking up. All right, then we'll have to ignore it. No, it's like, it sounds like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Finally. You know, I know we're on this beautiful little YouTube rabbit hole right now. It's freaking me out. But I'm glad you said that. Because the the radio clip that I pulled is from YouTube. Have you ever heard of the um, very uh, prestigious 8 News Now from Las Vegas? Yes, of course. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, I, I didn't think you did. This was trending pretty hard uh, against a local news outlet from Las Vegas. And uh, they reported on, you know what? I don't know if this clip needs any, it's a little long. There was a, um, there's a thing that happens in found footage a lot. Where in Fodox, I know you're freaking out because I, of that I, I don't know what really? that is. <laughs> Imagine... We're in a Kubrick movie and there's a keyboard and somebody's hitting a key and they're just holding it. Mm -hmm. It sounds like ambient background music. Weird. Clark has, Clark has left the studio. It is freaking him out. See, this is why we need a damn camera, which also, I do have two of. When they make the uh, YouTube biopic based off of the book, you got to uh, you got to get cast in the film, dude. Yeah, as uh, I'll be an authentic addition to their biopic. Hell um, yeah. You know, they, they were very tiny people, and I mean very small, like five foot two. They're all like Clark height, and they're very skinny, unlike Clark. And they were just not, they had that kind of like, oh, peasant, thank you for my green drink. Like, they're just rude. All right, you're back. Dude, were you able to see the UFO? That's my bad, guys. What? <laughs> Was it your TV? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Worth 100%. What was it? ESPN. What were they doing? It's the worst. It was I, Phantom of the Paradise. It was the <laughs> worst, dude. ESPN, their streaming app is the worst. Okay, so back to YouTube. Eight News Now, Las Vegas. You know what? Let's just jump into the clip, and then I'll give you context after. It's um a little show long. me pictures. Uh, I could pull it up for you, yes, but please. we're not going to be able to hear it on here. So I'm going to have to try and time it out. You know, here I'll play it for you, and then I'll show you. Uh, here we go. Eight News Now from Las Vegas. It is the police call everybody will be talking about. Thanks for joining us here at 6 o'clock. I'm Denise Valdez. I'm Brian Loftus. A family says something crashed into their backyard, prompting them to call 911, saying they saw creatures walking around. Our 8 News Now investigators digging into this for weeks now. And tonight, our David Charns with the video you will only see on 8 News Now. David? Right, Denise. Sources telling the 8 News Now investigators that several agencies believe something landed or crashed, whether it was non humans or not it certainly scared the people living on this property now before we show you that video listen to their call for help 
Now I pulled the call because this is, you know, an audio format, but uh, there is a video and it's, it's very short, of course, but it's very interesting because it was captured from police body cam footage. Mm. So I, Mary this, J. Blige style. This is a very long, <laughs> this is a very long uh, kind of rundown, but eight news now is, you know, a local Las Vegas outlet who had a video go viral. Uh, by the time this show airs, it will be five days old. At the time we're looking at now, it's at 4.4 million views. Um, do you, you want me to pull it up for you? Do they show aliens? So they don't show aliens. And they actually had a follow-up video that came out the day after that's at 4.6 million. Oh. Where they do a little, you know, let, let's get into the, the phone call and then we can try and break it down a little bit. But um, here's the call that was placed to the police department. And then we'll, uh, we'll patch in our callers. Yeah, then we'll take calls from the audience. Here we go. There's like an eight-foot person beside it. And another one's inside, and it has big eyes and looking at us, and it's still there. Okay, where is this on your property? Uh, uh, in my backyard. I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually we so you terrified with. So there's two people or two subjects that are in your backyard? Correct, and they're very large. They're okay. like eight foot, nine feet, ten foot. I don't know. They're, they, look like, they look like aliens to us. Big eyes. They have big eyes. Okay. Like, like, I can't explain it. And big mouth. They're shiny eyes, and, and they're not human. They're 100% not human. Okay. So <laughs> she's just so they the news broadcast, which is honestly why I'm bringing this in found footage horror and in faux documentary. We deal with I mean, one of our favorite things to talk about is bad news anchors because there's such a thing. They're in their own lane. Man, it's fascinating watching them actually take this kind of material and treat it like legitimately like they they have a like little bit of a smile. But this is not like a leprechaun in the hood video. Yeah. And they're like, hey. Um, the dispatcher kind of felt like they did where they're, they're like, what do I do with this shit? So they were thinking about calling a crisis hotline. Like, Hey, there's a drunk family out here. We need a therapist to go out, but they're like, I don't know. Let's send a police. And in the video, I don't, I didn't pull a clip for it, but there's a cop on the ground who his partner actually caught some blue light in the sky. That looks like a shooting star that landed in their backyard. Okay. So when he got dispatch hitting him up about aliens in the backyard of somebody's house, it freaked him out and his body cam was running. So he talks about it. He's like, he, he ends up talking to somebody in their car. Like it looked like two people out there like smoking a joint or something. He's like, Hey, normally I wouldn't ask you this, but have you seen anything in the sky tonight? He's like, I know it's weird, but we got a report that a ship crashed in somebody's backyard and my partner saw it. So he goes to the house and in pure found footage, uh, trope style, He's there with the family. Everybody looks sober. They all look kind of rattled and they go in the backyard and it is redacted. And they're like, it's private property. So we can't show it. And it's like, bullshit. You can't show mm. it. But they did a follow-up video the next day. And I guess SUVs had been seen like circling the area. The There's no um, evidence of like a crash there other than some like crop circle type things in their lot. And there was a security camera that was running. And it blacked out the moment it happened. But there was another security camera that actually caught audio of a wreckage. So it's like, if you ever, I mean, like if uh, this isn't tinfoil hat shit. And I mean, still, it feels a little bit like maybe a news station might be pulling a prank on us. But they'd have to be like, you know, in bed with the police department, too. It's a little creepy. It's one of those things that's exciting because you're like, oh, shit, they're taking this shit seriously. But then you keep watching it and you're like. Oh, fuck. 
is this China? Like what? <laughs> like, cause it feels like something happened. Yeah. But eight foot tall gray aliens. I mean, you heard him after he's like eight foot, nine foot. I don't know. 10. Like they're giants too tall. And they disappeared too. And now uh, in the follow-up. I don't think aliens are going to be tall. I didn't either. <laughs> nah, no, but it's that's not why, efficient. That's why I think they're bioengineered Chinese people. Oh. I think it's the Chinese she, she. military. It's the communists. They're shooting them over. The first they tried it with the spy balloon, but we all saw that. And now they got outed by uh, local news My in Chinese Las Vegas. Chinese spy balloon. <laughs> Dude, it is creepy though. It's one of those, watch both of them. The first one's fun. The second one, you start going like, oh man, I don't know. Also the family. The family has become elusive now. The family. Well, here's the thing. Um, we, we had listener Sam over here, uh, one of the collaborators enough. Oh yeah. Thanks for saying hello, Sam. <laughs> we know better when, when yeah. Clark's doing his thing, we leave. Clark you can say hello. Uh, Sam can say hello. Okay. The rest, 98% of the fucks that come yeah. here that you don't get to say hello. Well, Sam, <laughs> Sam gets to say, he's hello. not the type that would do that. Sam, Jasadi, Terrell. Okay. Everybody else can go fuck off. Um, so, yeah, we were watching it, and we both kind of had the same reaction. Two minorities in that list, by the way, yeah, I just for the record. <laughs> well, the thing was, when the, the family became elusive, um, I think me and Sam were both like, well, they probably don't want this, like, attention. Because the internet started going, why didn't they take video? Why isn't there shit from the family? Like, okay, all the, the other shit. And they're like, they, they were just like, hey, we were freaked out. We didn't think about it. Which you hear a lot in, like, UFO-related stories. Sure. But Oksana was like... What was your theory, Oksana? Okay, so they agreed to do interviews, but then didn't answer the door when people showed up. So I think they have disappeared and someone is imitating their voices with an AI. Oh my <laughs> So my Lord. first reaction was, holy shit, you're insane, Oksana. <laughs> but then I'm like, that's honestly the best theory I've heard. Because the news broadcast in the other videos like, hey, we've made three appointments with them, but they won't answer their door. So Oksana's like, they're dead. They're, I didn't say dead. I said they're not. They're they're missing. She said they're mutilated corpses in that house. They need to kick down the door. <laughs> I don't. This thing. It's creepy. Again, this is the kind of shit that you will not see on the Criterion Channel. You have to turn to where the <laughs> cultural hub of the modern world is, and it's called YouTube. Wonderful. <laughs> also, I totally want to steal that stinger from them. I just want to play the beginning again because it's so good. <laughs> It is the- right? That thing is fucking, it, it gets me pumped up. Randy, can that provide you some inspiration for a new theme for this show? <laughs> sure. I can give it a shot. Yeah. I think uh, breaking news, but <laughs> shittier. But horror. We need like a howl yeah. in there. Work out. Yeah. But, uh, if, here you go. If John Carpenter worked for the news. Oh, man. How about that? <laughs> well, you know, we is should that take a tease? Well, I don't know. I may not talk about that movie. You know what Randy's going to do? Mm. He's just going to type that into an algorithm. An AI. Nah, dude. <laughs> Randy, are you, are you messing around? Uh, or to borrow from the parlance of our times, you fucking around with uh, AI music? Uh, no, not really. Actually, not at all. Uh, there was a couple like apps that I downloaded that were like AI-based uh, things where you could kind of like type in a couple things or modify a couple uh, parameters that will like spit out a MIDI uh, type of thing. And I created one thing that sounded kind of cool. Uh, just like this weird, like MIDI sort of like synthy thing, but I haven't like incorporated it too much. <laughs> He's flirting. 
All right. He hasn't uh, consummated the relationship, but uh, he's slipped a finger in there. Hey, uh, <laughs> so you all saw the guy that like shaked the world by making that fucking thing. He shaked the world, did he? The weekend and the Drake song. Yeah, because all yeah. of the music. Pre- yeah. Did you see the video oh. of him where he had like a sheet on with sunglasses? No, I was, he's Clark? I was like John Carpenter. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, was that a direct nod to like Halloween? Yeah. What the fuck? Because I mean, you don't throw a white sheet on just for shits and giggles anymore. And I'm like, you're gonna lose people immediately. Can I tell you if I if I was in, if I was working, you know, if I was on the crew, okay, that day on that set of Halloween, and for the first time they put a sheet on and they put the sunglasses on, you knew. Yeah, there was a special feel that happened in that room. Well, it's like, this is cool. They weren't sunglasses, <laughs> but they were, you know, the dude's glasses because. Oh, they weren't sunglasses. No. The guy they who did sunglasses. The, yeah. Well, that yeah. could be your thing. All right. That's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be your Halloween costume. They wore sunglasses? Yeah. Um, they were sunglasses. Again, I should have uh, timestamped today. What What is the date? It's like June 11th. June 11th. Uh, Correct. 2023. It's about 12 p.m. right now. And aliens are invading or ESPN. You got to check your TV first. <laughs> what are you freaking out about? Again, now, technical difficulties. We just lost the stream. You're talking Hell about yeah. the baseball stream I'm that you're watching. About the baseball stream. <laughs> it's the aliens, <laughs> dude. Fucking idiot. Oh my God. God damn it. I, fuck. I told you I hate ESPN. Well, I mean, thankfully it's uh, the it weekend. An O2 count. You're not doing anything important. So let me explain something to you. <laughs> And I was, I, I, you know, we got to talk about this on the show. There was no avoiding this today. There was no avoiding it. I, I, how was I supposed to know there was an 18 hour weather delay? And also here we are sitting, uh, we are one win away from going to Omaha, Nebraska, the creme de la creme. This is a big deal. Mm-hmm. This is a big day. So I've, I've just had to serve two masters today. That's just what we're doing. I've been to Omaha. It's not that great. I've also been to Omaha, and it's it's a nice time, Randy. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. So, are we gonna? Can we keep this an ongoing news story about this family? We, is there gonna be updates? I I think Oxana's right. They're dead. Okay. They're getting their memories wiped at least. <laughs> there were just so, keeps getting better and better when we go back to that well. Well, here's the thing. Um, when we were watching it with Sam, he was like, dude, did that guy just say SUV instead of UFO? And uh or we SVU. Went, no, well, he did. And we're like, and then we kept watching, and no, there were reports of SUVs circling the box. Government plated once. And the thing is, you know, in Vegas, there's military bases out there, so they're like, it's not totally unusual, but there were Reports of well-dressed dudes with sunglasses on. It's like, are you fucking shitting me? Hell yeah. ZZ Top. Like if I was the government and I really did have like an MIB program, don't you think you would like rebrand after a franchise of movies has come out, kind of outing you? Here's the thing though. People that make decisions, they they generally make bad ones. I I agree. So (laughs) who the hell knows? That's the best argument against any conspiracy theory. Is that if you really think there is like an Illuminati running the planet, like the evil globalist, it's like, wow, you have a lot of faith in logistics. Like, yeah. the thing is, people at the top are usually fucking stupid or they're not. They're incredibly smart. But middle management is always middle management. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, uh, no. So, sure. yeah, you're right. There is definitely the MIB and they're wiping people's memories. All right. We solved it. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>
All right. Uh, anything else up top, my boy? No. All right. Randy Michael over there in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, Randy, I got uh-huh. uh, you've 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 uh, lent us a couple of breadcrumbs along the way during the week of uh, what you've sure. been up to. So, yeah, you got a lot to cover here. You're out there rubbing elbows with celebrities <laughs> in Atlanta. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, they were both part of the same event. If that uh, makes it any less of a coincidence. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'll I'll hop into uh, what I did yesterday at the Plaza Theater. Shouts out once again. Uh, I went with uh, Buddy Christian uh, to see Southland Tales, the Richard Kelly film from uh, 2008 uh, or 2006, 2007, somewhere around there. Uh, so he is on sort of like a roadshow tour with Rebecca Del Rio, who performs in the movie. Bianca uh, Del Rio. Don't know of her. <laughs> uh, yeah, but come on, dude. If, if you're a, um, a fan of David Lynch and Mulholland Drive, she is also the performer in Club Silencio at the very end of that movie, uh, who does, uh, who sings at the very end of that movie. And uh, she in has a very theater? similar. Yeah, correct. And she has a, uh, yeah, she has another performance in Southland Tales because Richard Kelly, uh, so Donnie Darko came out the same like weekend as uh, Mulholland Drive. So uh, Richard Kelly was at the event, maybe not the same weekend, but it was definitely in theaters at the same time. Uh, So yeah, Richard Kelly was at the event and he did an intro and a short uh, Q&A afterwards. And uh, he told a story how him and Jake Gyllenhaal were going to uh, all the like local theaters in LA when Donnie Darko came out to kind of see like, you know, what it was like to see it with an audience and kind of just like we're showing up into random screenings and stuff. And Mulholland Drive was also playing at the same time. So him and uh, Jake went and saw Mulholland Drive. And apparently the uh, scene that Rebecca Del Rio had at the end just had a very big impact. He's like, I got to get her for like whatever I do next. So. Uh, yeah, she has a, like I said, a scene in this movie and she also performed for maybe like 30 minutes uh, before they played Southland Tales uh, at the plaza. So she sang the song that's in Southland Tales, the song that's in Mulholland Drive, and then a couple other songs. I think one, the music is written by Danny Elfman. But uh, yeah, before that, I went a, and, Was it just her vocally and they play a track or something? Yeah, it was just to a track. But, you didn't uh, offer it was cool. your uh, musical services? No. It was, uh, it was not 100% like set up for it. Uh, it was a little like awkward starting just because I think the people running the theater and the audio just had a lot of uh, jobs to do at the same time. So they were kind of like running back and forth. And uh, But yeah, she has a great voice. It was like really good performance. Um, it was just, I don't know, it was, I guess since she has so many like cinematic like scenes of her singing it like felt cool to like see it in a uh old movie theater with like you know a pretty solid audience it's probably like 70 percent sold out they played donnie darko afterwards uh with richard kelly in attendance as well and uh that was i'm assuming sold out because when we got out of southland tales there was uh the theater was packed the lobby and everything so for southland tales russ you remember when that came out yeah did you guys yeah, ever see I it? I didn't watch it. No. I did. I saw it um, on the rental circuit. 
Hell yeah. um, and it left uh, no impression. I, that is not true. That is not true. It, it left one impression because the one scene that kind of went viral from that movie uh, with Sean William Scott and the uh, the killers. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that the killers? Yeah. Uh, the no, it was Arcade Fire. One of the yeah. Two. No, it's the killers. Uh, I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier. That's the one. Yeah, there's like a legit a killer's music video in the middle uh, of yeah. this movie. Yeah. That's the only thing I remember from the movie. And the rock yeah. being a pebble. <laughs> yeah. That's what I remember. It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a very weird scene. Uh, crazy movie, a movie that feels like they gave uh, Richard Kelly sort of, uh, I think like $18 million to kind of do whatever he wanted to do. And uh, it's very, uh, it's a bloated movie. There's a lot going on. There's like a ton of characters. There's actually like three graphic novels telling more of the story before this movie actually takes place. So you're kind of like thrown into this story. Like smart idea midway. That's like, there's probably a lot of shit going on that like, you're not actually really privy to because it's all in graphic novels that were written before this. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of people, uh, in this, uh, yeah. Dwayne Johnson, Sean William Scott, Sarah Michelle Geller, who plays a porn star who is, uh, doing a reality TV show now. Uh, Will Sasso's in this, Janine oh, Garofalo, yeah. Amy Poehler, yeah, no. Sarah Michelle a, uh, Yep, her. yep. John Lovitz, who uh, plays a racist cop uh, with bleached hair. Bleached yeah. hair? Oh, that's right. Dude, it's funny. I'm reading uh, reviews on an article about the, uh, the director's cut and yeah. like kind of revisiting the material. Uh-huh. The, the highest rated review on here is a dude talking about how he bought the graphic novel. And he's like, wow, if you read the graphic novel first, it makes the tone of the movie make sense more. Huh. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> good job. I don't know. I, it sounds interesting. I'm more likely to watch the movie now. I remember this was like a Netflix thing when it first came out. Right. Like it was all over Netflix. And yeah. it was at a time where Maybe. I was still getting a what year did this come out? Uh, I think it says yeah. 2006. Yeah. I, th- I think I was still getting the disc delivery, which oh, yeah. they've discontinued yeah, sure. now. So, Have they? Yeah, it's done. Yeah. Well, it's very sad. It just ended like a month ago. Yeah. We didn't do a special show on it. <laughs> Not to real cover on Blu ray Tuesday. All right. Well, that's, that's yeah. why we have him there. Yep. Exactly. Doing the heavy lifting. Good deal. Work in the yeah. trenches, Terrell. Thank you for your service. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the whole movie is just like a big sort of sci-fi satire. There's definitely a lot of intentional comedy. I mean, he casted a lot of comedians in the movie and there's definitely some stuff that feels very dated and feels like it's unintentional uh, comedy. But overall, I did not hate watching this movie considering how bad the... Uh, so we watched... He played the can cut, which is available on an Arrow Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, so the can cut is like 20 minutes longer. Okay. and uh, there's stuff towards the third act of the movie that he says is basically unfinished. Uh, there's some visual effects that never got finished. Uh, so they look kind of choppy. Uh, they weren't terrible to be honest. Um, but You've I don't know. Worse, I had a, and we've talked about it on this show probably. Yeah, yeah for sure. But yeah, it, probably because, you know, there was uh talent there and there was a large, uh, group of people there, um, to see the movie, but I actually had a really good time watching it. Like I said, it's a, it's a messy movie. It's not like 
the plot, like I couldn't even really describe the plot to you besides there's, it's like kind of like weird sci-fi satire. Uh, there's some really crazy uh, lines or quotes uh, from people in the movie. Uh, one is, I'm a pimp and pimps don't commit suicide. Uh, or these other good ones. Based on my experience, I would say that's accurate. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character uh, has like, not a monologue, but sort of a longer line. She says, we're a bisexual nation living in denial, all because a bunch of nerds, a bunch of nerds who got off a boat in the 15th century and decided that sex was something to be ashamed of, which felt very like sort of ahead of its time. Uh, and kind of like, there's some stuff that feels prescient. There's this whole thing where like they're cutting off people's fingers to like uh, do a fraudulent election in the movie. Um, a lot of stuff that just felt like having not seen it before then watching it now, you know, obviously it's like a, you bring different stuff to it because of where we're at now. So I don't know. It was, it was really interesting. Uh, like I said, it was rather funny. Like the, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of good laughs. Like I said, whether they were intentional or unintentional, um, it was a, a very good time. And, uh, yeah, like I said, that the Q and a at the end was rather short because there was like, 20 minutes in between screenings of Southland Tales and then Donnie Darko, which was about to let in. So not a whole lot of Q and a, but you know, we don't, uh, we don't love Q and A's here anyway. So we love Q and ons instead. Hell yeah. Are you a Donnie Darko fan, Randy? I think so. Yeah. I don't think I've revisited it since maybe a little bit after it came out. Um, I'd be interested in seeing it again, but I figured there would probably be no other way that I would watch Southland Tales at home yeah. by myself. And I was like, this is a pretty cool way to go see it. So, um, yeah, it was fun. I don't want to remember Patrick Swayze as a pedophile. That's why I don't rewatch it. I don't like the fandom. It's of too, course you don't. it's too ravenous. Like, yeah. and then he doesn't really deserve, like, what are the other movies he came out the with? The box. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, I appreciate that. He's like a weird artist, but like For sure. that first one was such a, like, he just like really tapped into something there and has not been able to get anywhere near it again. Well, people love rabbit ears and film. I was going to say, <laughs> get a weird it. rabbit, you know, the shining, it really helped Kubrick. Sick of the rabbits. <laughs> Sean William Scott also drops the N word with a hard R in the movie. Oh, oh then you congratulations. Know it's time to rewatch it. <laughs> Randy, how long was this cut? Uh, it's two hours 40. Not even a Marvel movie. And uh, Rebecca Del Rio before that performed for like maybe 30, 35 minutes. So got in at six and got out at almost 10. Okay. So, yeah. A, a night with Randy. All right. Now, Randy, your homework is to go figure out who Bianca Del Rio is. And might I recommend going to Hulu and watch Drag Me to Dinner. It is a show <laughs> that in no universe should be any good but it is one of the most interesting platforms um, to let a drag queen do what they want. They let them drink on set and they actually, you know, Clark, you might like the show and not because the, uh, the trans male kind of looks like you that hosts it, but because it's like a fifties game show. Mm -hmm. And then they have uh, pairs of drag queens do a cook off. Like they're cooking. It's a dinner party that they're throwing with theme and everything. Yeah. So it's like a fifties game show that they let them like just, you know, be fucking, What's what's the correct word? They're like uh, bulls in a china shop. Yeah, it's very good. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Bianca Del Rio is a host. Excellent. Hell yeah. I probably won't Bro. watch it, but uh, good to know. 
from pa- from Padre Pio to Bianca Del Rio. <laughs> Welcome to the Everlook Gallery. I will say, which will, uh, yeah, it'll go into my next one. I'll say that Southland Tales is a good, it's a good LA movie. They, uh, he talks about how most of the money, uh, was spent or at least a large chunk of the money was spent on getting, uh, real locations in Los Angeles. So they shot on like the Santa Monica pier, uh, Venice beach, um, you know, all places that I've, I've been to. And it's, uh, they've shot a lot of, uh, action scenes like in downtown LA and basically said that with the money we had, we only really had one take to like, you know, flip a car in uh, downtown Los Angeles. But um, yeah, it was, it's a good, uh, good Los Angeles film. LA film. <laughs> and uh, my, my next movie is a new <laughs> uh, release, which is a, uh, it's a movie release. Randy, you know what? I'm it's sorry. On their, sh- uh, it's on their Randy, website. I- I got to apologize. I'll, I'll pick up Clark's slack. When I see him locked into the live stream, I'll do the transitions and stuff. So, okay. Randy, you got another movie for us today? Yeah. My next uh, movie is a movie.com release. How is this my fault? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I know it's, you're not God. You didn't create the rain delay or whatever. Yeah. No, I, I didn't even, I didn't know he was doing a movie of the week. Oh no. And I don't that. run the soundboard. No, it's Yeah, Randy. I didn't mention it. No, yeah, Randy felt like he was waiting for a transition into his next film. Which I already gave him. You weren't paying yeah, attention. I'm clearly not. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm bad at segues. But yeah, Topology of Sirens is one. the new, uh, in, pff, I don't know. I'm, I'm afraid of them. They look scary. Are they still a thing? I don't know. That, that was probably. a horrible plot. I <laughs> also, don't ask me to spell that one. That I've, one's hard. I've never heard Randy go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the loudest he's laughed ever. We got to get him a segue and film it. This is the new one. That'll, that'll be our first um, reach in the video. God, I, Randy, I love you, but the thought of you falling on a segue. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm thinking of, too. I, yeah. <laughs> That'd be the big break for a show. <laughs> Go viral. <laughs> the movie's called Topology of Sirens, and it's on Mubi.com or their application, which you can uh, download on your smart TVs and stuff like that. Directed by uh, Jonathan Davis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Directed by Jonathan <laughs> Davies. Oh, boo. Uh, like I said, it's a movie also set in Los Angeles, uh, and it is about, uh, the main character whose name is Cass. She's probably like a mid thirties, uh, very pretty. Uh, and she moves into her aunt and uncle's old house in Los Angeles. And she is a musician. You, you get the feeling that she's moving back to Los Angeles from somewhere previously. Uh, she kind of has a couple friends that you see throughout the movie that they sound kind of like acquaintances, maybe not super close, but um, yeah, she moves into this old house um, and there is a closet in the bedroom that's like kind of locked and she eventually, you know, picks the lock and like opens it up and she finds uh, a very old instrument um, that she assumes belongs to her aunt. It's a hurdy-gurdy, if you guys know what that is. The hurdy-gurdy man, Donovan. Yeah, it, this is weird because uh, that song came up on the Doughboys podcast the same day that I watched this movie. And I don't think I've ever heard of a hurdy-gurdy until uh, that day. And it came up twice. 
But uh, it's a welcome to the simulation, Randy. <laughs> yeah, it's this big. Or it's not that big. It's like a stringed instrument, uh, but it has like a hand crank, which is the thing that plays the strings, and then you're kind of like manipulating the notes with the other hand. Very weird. It's very crank. cool looking. Uh, they sound pretty rad too. Uh, but she finds this old instrument <laughs> and uh, there's sort of like a compartment uh, towards like the neck of it that holds some old micro cassettes, uh, like probably like from the 80s or 90s or something. Um, just imagine a cassette tape and like cut that in half. It's just a smaller cassette. And uh, she goes to a local sort of like an independent like Radio Shack type of place. They just have like a bunch of like crazy, just like old hardware, old uh, like stereo equipment and stuff like that. She's like, hey, I found all these tapes. I think they belong to my aunt. She's like, I'm trying to play them, but I don't know how to. Like, I don't have the right equipment. So uh, she gets this uh, player so she can find, so she can listen to these recordings. And they're all kind of like weird, experimental, kind of like just weird sort of like sound uh, pieces. Um, not really like songs or anything. And there's kind of these weird, like cryptic symbols and stuff on it. So she kind of from there goes on a journey through Los Angeles to kind of find out like what, uh, what these tapes are or and her, she talks to her uncle in one scene and he doesn't really think that this belonged to them or belonged to her aunt, uh, or anything. So she's kind of, uh, yeah, just kind of trying to figure out, um, what, what the messages on the tapes are and like kind of like where the sound and stuff came from. Um, it's a movie that feels sort of like slow cinema. It's not a super long movie. It's like hour 46. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of scenes where she, like she said, like said, she um, runs into some friends at this, another sort of like experimental uh, music sort of scene where someone is playing like in this really beautiful like garden and kind of just like manipulating like sounds and like she has like a synthesizer and stuff and there's like three or four maybe more scenes of just kind of like local musicians and stuff uh in the LA area just sort of weird performance arty um ambient stuff um i really dug it uh the main character Cass who's played by um Courtney Stevens is really good uh, Samantha Robinson, who plays the love witch in the love witch is in wow. it for a um, couple minutes, maybe one scene towards the end that gets a little bit uh, surreal. Um, yeah, I, I really dug it. Like, it's kind of hard to talk about, but it's a movie that's got good vibes. It's uh, got good, <laughs> got good tone, good atmosphere. I liked the music and sort of the sort of experimental uh, stuff in it. but. Yeah, I don't know. If you've ever, I don't think you guys have seen Memoria, but um, one of the reviews kind of related it a little bit to the movie Memoria um, with Tilda Swinton, where she's sort of hunting, she's haunted by like this weird sound that she's hearing and sort of like goes on a a journey. And uh, yeah, it's cool. Like, like the beginning of this episode. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Bring it all together. Uh, Randy, a couple questions here. Uh, has this sparked a newfound fascination with uh, this musical instrument known as the hurdy gurdy? Are we going to be hearing more hurdy gurdy uh, inspired, uh, you know, music coming from you? 
I don't think so. No, I don't. I, I imagine they're probably kind of hard to track down and they seem like they're probably rather expensive as well. Well, I'm sure you can get some sort of uh, hurdy-gurdy synth emulator. Sure. Yeah, you could probably do that. There you go. The problem I'm is into it. if you play the hurdy-gurdy, you're going to have to dress up too. It looks like one of those instruments where you have to look like a fool while you play it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. bagpipes. Like, Well, this guy looks like Jared Leto. He does. Hell yeah. But, uh, Again, to bring it back to YouTube, we did find five Slipknot riffs played on the hurdy-gurdy. Randy, I'll send it over to really? you. I know you're very enthusiastic right now. I like, yeah, Slipknot's I. <laughs> Randy's Iowa, dude. so fucking boring. Randy, what the hell? You said it's slow cinema. How long is it actually? It's like an hour 46. Okay, and are we dealing with like, like what are hey, the characters you- like? I was about to like, say, hey, you know what's slow to me and very boring? Oh, no. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but people get Word. stabbed in that movie. What happens in this one? Uh, you know, it's kind of about this character's sort of um, journey through just like her own sort of experience with music. So there is actually sort of a scene early on where she's at one of these, watching one of these performances where she's talking to her friend and she's kind of talking about how she is very classically trained uh, pianist. So she doesn't really like understand how to like let go of like time signatures and like the meter and stuff like that. So to me, it was kind of just about this character sort of like opening up like her musical like influences and stuff and trying to like branch out of like what they're used to, which me coming from playing drums a lot, like whenever I listen to music, I'm always just like, counting things or like listening to the beat. Like I'm very much into like the meter and sort of like the time signature that I can't like get away from it sometimes. And a lot of the experimental stuff is just like, just have this one note resonate for like, you know, five minutes, then maybe like manipulate it a little bit. So I don't know. I kind of related to sort of like that aspect of it. So you're a fan of art. Then maybe give Tolkien another look and read some um, moon elf poetry. Moon elf. <laughs> I, I think they had a po- They had writing that could only be seen in moonlight. That seems very up Randy's alley. Sure. Not I will say I, I could I could see people not liking this uh, for sure. It definitely like you know looks like a very uh, sort oh, of eccentric, 45. pretentious. I've said that three times now. <laughs> no, it looks like cool. a little bit eccentric, uh, sort of like L.A. people. Like I said. He, she runs into some uh, sort of weird characters at these like local uh, music shops and stuff, but I don't know. I dug it. You know, it's kind of like um, if you like Harmony Korine and like the uh, sojourn of the impoverished, there's like the LA vibe where it's like the trust fund kids explore art. Like it's like, like you don't need a day job to do what they're doing because they have like old money, but they also take that back. Yeah. I'm kind of, you know, I got recommended a movie. And then I looked it up and I'm like, this is, this had to be something Randy talked about. Um, oh God. What, what am I thinking of Oksana? Cause you pointed out the director, um, Mona Lisa and the blood moon. Oh uh, yeah. Did you watch that? Right. Yeah. I talked about it here. So somebody uh, DM'd me and they were like, Hey, this movie's kind of like kids, but sci-fi. Is that a correct kind of look? Like they were telling me it's like a bunch of shitty, like, teenagers or like younger people and it's yeah. kind of dystopian but it's also like a sci-fi film 
I guess I kind of get that. Yeah, I think to me, it just the style of it is, uh, I wouldn't say the stylistically it's related to uh, Harmony Karini, but uh, yeah, it's uh, Anna Lily Amanpour who did uh, yeah, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Yeah, it's good. It takes place in uh, New Orleans as well. Yeah, it looked like there was a lot of style because I pulled, I God, I think I pulled it up on Amazon Prime and I looked at a trailer and I was like, whoa, this is not the aesthetic of a Harmony Kareem, but yeah, the people look like shitty kids. So. Maybe, maybe kind of close to Spring Breakers aesthetic, okay. but not like, you know, not the sort of grimier yeah. looking uh, stuff. All right. So uh, topology of sirens, Randy, I do dig the name. Uh, what's the star rating here? Oh. Three and a half. I dug it. Come I'd watch it again. I really thought it was going to be four. I knew three and a half. I really felt thought it, it was going to be a four. Felt it in my bones. Randy, what I could kinda, they have done better? I, 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 early on, I kind of like saw where it was going. Like I kind of knew that it would kind of end up being this uh, exploration of like her character sort of like opening up a little bit musically. Um, and like I said, there's not a, a ton that really happens in it, but I kind of liked, you know, living in it. And uh, it was cool. I think this is Matthew Davies's first movie. Um, so definitely interested to see what he does next for sure. Jonathan Davies. <laughs> Jonathan Davies. <laughs> so funny. Also from Bakerfield. Weird. Oh, hell yeah. Bakerfield? <laughs> yeah, not Bakersfield. Hell That's yeah. Jonathan Davis. Oh, yes. I'm Jonathan from, Davies is from Bakerfield. I'm from Bakerfield. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start. All right. Ready? Anything else? No, sir. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, all right. In the effort, uh, again, last week we gave you maybe the most efficient episode in the history <laughs> of the Overlook Hour. Um, already, I think we're we're past that point. Uh, but we're making pretty good time. So I'm probably only going to talk about one movie. All right. And we have another Clark secret film. Oh. Untrue. And you just wasted 15 seconds. <laughs> you know, both of the movies, but I, you choose which one I, I'll talk about. Um, okay. What, what are the options? I didn't the options are from, 1988 for the first time I watched John Carpenter's They Live mm-hmm. and then I also saw from 2023 from Nicholas D. Johnson and Will Merrick Missing alright let's go Missing okay <laughs> you shouldn't have let me pick that's true uh, well uh, They Live I'll say is great um, Roddy, Parper, Roddy Piper excellent choice except for the dialogue on some things I, I, I don't know if he uh, uh, swing and miss on a couple of the lines there. You know what I mean? I disagree with you. A couple duds. <laughs> I think a couple duds. Uh, but him and Keith David, that's the movie, man. That's the movie. It's great. It's the first time you watched it? First time. All right. We'll talk about it more. I love They Live. Let's talk about Missing from 2023. From most of the team uh, that gave us uh, the movie that shall not be maimed, uh, from several years ago. <clears throat> it's called Searching. Searching. <laughs> okay. That's what it's called. Uh, the, you know, as, as, as if you are a regular listener to this show, if you are a new listener to the show, just stop now. There's too much to catch up <laughs> on. And we're not, we're not very welcoming to new listeners. Uh, that's, that's a personal thing I have with myself. Although if you made it this far and you're new, please stay. Yeah. <laughs> because you, you got through. <laughs> you got through the hard part. Uh, kidding. Of course. Well, uh, happy to have. 
I am not a fan of that film searching. Um, yeah, again, as we've talked about it on this show, it is, you know, found footage light as they call it. And as far as I'm concerned is as controversial as Bud Light's recent moves. <laughs> so they both suck. I personally still love Bud Light. No, you don't. You never liked it in the first place. I'm trying to virtue signal here. That's the best joke Rain's ever done. You drink a Segway. A Segway. You drinking Bud Light on a Segway is what I need now. Oh, the funniest part of that is the thing about Randy drinking Bud Light. I know. Randy, have you ever had Bud Light? Yeah, for sure. Hell yeah. Dude, please Have you ever done a Bud Medium? Oh my God. What's a Bud Medium? I heard this on a podcast the other day, but you do half Bud Light, half Bud Heavy. There you go. That's all right. No, I've never done that. Me neither. I'm Bud Heavy all the way, dude. It's like a black and tan for the I've trailer park. I've had like two Bud Lights in my entire life. Shouts out, are you I'm garbage? More, I'm more of a uh, Coors Light. Coors Light, Miller's Light. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yep. I'll, even go, I'll even go fucking champagne of beers before I Oh, yeah, I all day. Bud Light, dude. All right, what are we talking about? We're talking about searching <laughs> and how searching was a piece of shit. Also, uh, my bad again, but. Get the Randy Russell retread. R&R, dude. R&R, dude. Missing. Uh, now, uh, as Randy left, as I was about to ask him a question. <laughs> but. Russell, I know that you were a a, a big fan of this movie, uh, mm. despite, you know, I, again, I think that you were more forgiving with searching than I was in. No, people have actually uh, tried to get me to rewatch it because I called it uh, found footage with training wheels. Yeah. Because it was very hand. Which is there, there's no question. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. I think that we're getting it's a little bit different treatment here with missing. And I will say, though, that the results ultimately land in the same place for me because it's it's I think my issues with it fall in line to what Randy, if I remember Randy's critique. Uh, Randy, what, what did you say? What do you think about this movie? Missing? Hated it. <laughs> hate it? No, nothing redeemable. Why, why did you hate it? Uh, I don't know. It's a little, a little too uh, handholdy with the screen life thing. I feel like for what they were trying to do, there's uh, a lot of scenes that I thought looked shitty. Uh, yeah, and that they could have just. It felt like a lifetime light or a lifetime uh, found footage movie. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely more it. The lifetime aspect a hundred percent is there because it is. Uh, it's over the top and uh, melodramatic. Yeah. And I think that it's an interesting pairing with screen life. Now I will say as far as the mechanics of screen life, it's pretty good. I, I like some of the transitions we had here. Um, th- there are times though, I feel like it's a bit of a mixed bag. Because there were other transitions where, like, I'm glad that we had the the courage to be as free moving as we are in this. Because we we end up going, you know, I, they were as creative as they possibly could, and they and they and they really stretched as much as they could in terms of moving us in the story and moving locations. 
but still, you know, having these golden handcuffs, as it were, of being a screen life, uh, you know, found footage, however you want to classify it, type of film. Um, I feel more comfortable saying, you know, sticking with screen life here. But, you know, we do mix it up on, on how we're getting there. And, yeah, there are some absolute stretches there. But ultimately, like, you know, when when you're in the story, you're in the story. And I think it helps when the story is bonkers as this is. So I think that, you know, it, it definitely is trying to hit, you know, that major, uh, you know, popcorn nerve. Because this is a movie theater movie. And that is ultimately the problems that I had with searching. Because searching just became so stupid. Yeah. At the end. It's not very cinematic either. It's also, it, yeah. no, this is more. Oh, a lot more. This is more. Also, uh, the characters are better. Oh, here. yeah. There's no question the characters are better here. And um, I thought our lead is very good. Uh, this young lady, she plays uh, Zendaya's sister in Euphoria, I believe. Um, what's her name? I have no idea. I've never watched Euphoria either. I know everybody talked about it for a minute. Is that show over now? Yeah. I don't know. Randy, you're a resident uh, Euphoria expert. Storm Reed? Is that her name? I think so. I can't even find her in the international movie database. <laughs> That's her. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now I will say, and Russell, you, you touched upon it. The guy who plays, uh, yeah, it's, uh, his name is Joaquin de Almeida. Yeah. It, you understand. Um, <laughs> plays Javi in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, He's who is a task rabbit, uh, employee in Colombia. Um, who is boots on the ground there trying to help, uh, our protagonist track down her mother who went missing on vacation uh, with the uh, wonderful Ken Long, who we've talked about on this show, uh, who was in M. Night Shyamalan's Old. Uh, he's been in, I think he's been in some Saw movies too as well. Uh, this gentleman, he's been around. Oh, know, yeah. Space. Also, great actor. Also, what is it? Nia Long, who plays uh, the, the mother in the story who goes missing. Nia Long is a beautiful actress. She mm -hmm. has been beautiful for decades. Why is she dating two ugly humps in this movie? <laughs> I mean, both of these dudes. Money? Are, I, I mean, know. she is way out of both of these idiots' legs. Yeah. Now, Ken, you know, I like that guy, and he's got a charm about him. Uh, the other lump, what a <laughs> hunk of shit he is. <laughs> Beautiful woman. What? Yeah, messing around. I don't understand. The story, it's just, yeah, man, it's, we're dealing with, when you have, I, I just, it's the juxtaposition of screen life and this pulpy melodrama. It just doesn't marry like I want it to. So Russell, I, I it, for, it works better for you, but I, I can't, I can't make those two flavors combine and it just didn't work for me. Yeah, I loved it. Because it's the it's the realism that we get. That nothing is real about this story. And even but again, I I from a technical standpoint far superior to searching. And uh I appreciate what they were doing here and even with the time lapses. Mm -hmm. I I I I I liked. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up realism cuz showing up here the thing I was most interested in was just the interfacing of what are we going to do on this monitor? And I think they explored every facet you could. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 
as far as realism, I just wanted to be entertained and I wanted the shit to be more edgy or like threatening than in searching. Cause that was the other problem. Searching felt like incredibly low stakes for that whole movie. And, you know, I did, I talked a lot of shit on it with the whole training wheels thing, but honestly, I think that's why searching did so well. It's done so well compared to other movies and missing made what 45 million and it, or, or it cost 45 million. I do want to no recommend way it cost $45 no, million. Dollars. I don't, I don't think so either. Unless they gave John Cho $44 million. You know, I have it. Alexana, can you look up the budget on missing seven, seven million. Now here's the thing. Um, I want to recommend, I've been doing a lot more video editing lately and I've become a big fan of um, uh, Mr. Hillier. He's the guy who does editing for Logan Paul and he has a podcast called the editing podcast. And they went, they had the two editors who worked on this movie on and they broke down how the fuck you make a movie like this, dude, it is so fucking impressive. And they built 99% of the movie on a computer. Yeah. So, you know, they talk about how you make it cinematic. If you if you use Premiere Pro or DaVinci, you'll appreciate how fucking complicated their timelines looked. It is insane, the effort they put in there. And, you know, the first thing they talk about, if you've ever done any kind of editing and you want to use a text message, the first thing you know is when you blow that up to make it look cinematic, it is artifact and it looks like garbage. And this whole movie was in HD. So they're like, what did you do? And the first answer was they rebuilt everything in Lightroom. So they vectorized everything on a computer. So if you see a, I don't know, like a web browser and they go to IMDb, if you try to zoom in, it looks like shit. So they had to reconstruct the whole page. And they did that for everything in this movie. It's, I don't know, um, the craft behind this film is incredible. And honestly, it makes me want to do a screen life thing. Like, I became very inspired. And yeah, two editors over two years made that movie. Yeah, again. It's fucking from, incredible. From a, from a logist, you know, again, yeah. logistical and technical, technical standpoint, fantastic. Yeah, I but can. But it's, it's the marriage of the script and, you know. The, the the hard skills that are coming into place there. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I didn't feel that way. I just wanted a uh, journey. And I think with a little bit of scrutiny, a lot of the characters aren't that interesting or the reveals aren't, but this movie's pacing is so fucking fast. You're just like along the ride. I think it's, I think here's the thing. I think because I feel that technical accuracy of everything that's coming and I know the skill that it took uh, to make everything happen to make it look the way that it does look and to appear the way, the way that they want it to appear. Like I feel that efficiency, but it doesn't pair with the, the craziness the melodrama. of melodrama. Yeah. yeah. It just, it didn't work for me. I was here for the melodrama. And, um, I love it. I, again, I do too, but it yeah. just, it didn't feel appropriate. It was just, it, it felt like mixing two flavors. that just didn't belong together. And uh, I wish that I could I could be there for it. So if um, it was a more grounded version, what are we looking at? Like, what do you imagine? I'm imagining not a PG-13 movie. I get that. That where all of this insane shit, unbelievable story happens. I mean, like, compare it to another film. Like, take the tone of, like, you know, I don't know, Gummo, and then you mix it with screen life. Like, I what mean, are you imagining? So what's, what's the other, um, uh, Timur? Gentlemen, yeah. uh, what was that movie he made about the uh, profile? Profile, yeah. 
I would say even a less version of that because that even got into unbelievable territory in the third act where it's just like, man. Well, that happened to a lot of people. I understand. But what I'm saying is that you, I wanted something a little more edgy. Give me, I want more edge. You know, instantly in my mind, I think of like an HBO screen life doc where it's like, here's what happened. And they just lay it out and it's flat. Where I think they wanted to make money on this movie. Oh, so no, you can't, for sure. Yeah, you can't for sure. do no, it. I, again, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. And that that's the thing. It's like, you know, sometimes I want the popcorn. Here, the popcorn tasted off. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. It just, it didn't work fully for me. Yeah. However, um, you know, I didn't turn it off. I finished the movie. It, 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 it kept me into it. And it is almost two hours long. It is yeah. too long. I will say that it's too long because you think the third act comes in at like an hour, 20 minutes in yeah, to where she's about to shut down her computer and then, you know, finds it, makes a discovery and then we are off to the races and then her, uh, fantastic, unbelievable detective work, uh, kicks in, um, to where she is 15 years old, but she is also Columbo <laughs> in terms of that. Uh, but I mean, I'll say this, I believed it. Fifteen-year-olds know how to internet. They internet better than I do. Um, and uh, it was a it was a good job of it. It was a good movie for interneting. In that uh, in that podcast, um, the editor's podcast. I give this three stars, by the way. I know, and honestly, I think you liked it more than even people we saw it with in the theater. Yeah, like it. it yeah, people were kind of critical on it. And the thing is, it's interesting because that editor auteur theory that I like vaguely threw out and didn't really like flesh out very much is reinforced by this conversation because the two editors talked about how they led the pacing of the film and a lot of the, um, the reveals or tricks that happen. And they were talking about how sometimes you want the audience to be ahead of the character. Other times you want the character to completely be wrong where the audience might catch on and then get frustrated. And it was really interesting storytelling through a fucking browser. I don't know. Interesting movie. I, I hope we see more of it. And I'm not joking. I am kind of interested in making one. I love the format. I, uh, I And I've been taking your notes. I'm going to be like, okay, Randy's not in. So our demographic, <laughs> segue writing. I mean, if it's drinkers. unfriended. <laughs> I, I love okay. unfriended. And because you could relate. And here's the thing. And Clark, he's out. He, no melodrama. You know what? You know what? You know what? You, you know what helps melodrama? What? Music. Didn't this one have a lot of like heavy handed BGM in it though? Like it didn't help it. I'm talking, I see that you, you want like sweeping, like uh, soap opera, like the girl Randy banged at the plaza. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. I just, so then we'd have to do the unfriended thing where you have I like think, iTunes I think, open. Is that not the, the prototype? You know, I don't know, but I mean, we don't always want to like make homogenized art. No, you want to like break, you want to push limits. Yeah. But I mean, again, it's, it's beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Like, you know, there, there's, there's more than one way to homogenize something. Yeah. So like now this has become a homogenization of what they already established with, 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 with searching. You know what I mean? So it's like. They're going to find its own way. And I, I, it just doesn't work fully for me. The problem is market and art. That is the scale here when we deal with film. Yeah. And I think the amount of effort it took to construct this movie demands a payoff. 
where I know, I know what we're all kind of thinking. It would be nice to see this craft go into like a, a fucking um, murder death Korea town, like something edgy, something feels a little bit raw, something new, but I just don't know. You'd have to find a weirdo out there. Who's going to put two years. Well, four, because there'd only be one editor into making a film like that and then yeah. potentially making no money on the back end. Um, yeah, but no, you're both right. I, just, I fucking dug that movie. Now, did you have another one you were going to talk about or? Well, just, uh, you know, just briefly, they live. Uh, I, what, again, as I told you, um, once a week, probably I'll go through iTunes and check around, uh, start sweeping around the four ninety nine area, figuring out what's going on for $5 and just snatch it up. And you found a. Uh, this is everybody retread. Oh my god! I I, got, I don't want to do a proper thing because I got baseball going on, and you saw me pump my hands. We just hit a three run bomb. Right. What's you the rating? I talked about it beforehand too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> also, yeah, oh, you brought it up. It's great. Good why do, job. Why do you love it so much? Uh, I love it because of nostalgia. I love it because I love Piper. I love it because of wrestling. I like the uh, narrative of one guy against the world and he actually makes an impact. Yep. I love uh, the the like pro wrestling violence in there. I love uh, back then in the day with like when conspiracy theories felt like you were a weirdo for having them. That movie kind of taps into like, maybe you're not a weirdo. I don't know. There's a lot of cool paranoia that came following, but really it's Piper. I fucking love him in that movie. And when I first watched it, it was directly after WCW. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, it almost felt like it was part of the show still. Yeah. And then I just got sucked into the beautiful cinematography. And I mean, the sunglasses thing is so good. Like, it's iconic. Yeah. Why do you think I wear them all the time? I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at one right now, dude. Your face is looking a little scully right now, <laughs> dude. Um, no, dude, him and Keith David, it's great. Yeah. Like that relationship and also, you know, uh, the importance of that 45-minute fight in the alley mm -hmm. um, where he finally puts the sunglasses on. And I, But uh, the biggest takeaway, John Carpenter, what, what is he, a communist? <laughs> what? <laughs> Bro, this that whole movie's a takedown on capitalism. Nah. Yeah. Well, I I think that's the beauty of film is you project on it. Well, it's it, they walk you there pretty quickly. <laughs> well, I mean, part of it is a blue collar guy looking for work. But it's all but but it's 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 all very good. I was thinking at the time, like when I was thinking a lot about this film a couple of years ago, that it actually fit pretty well into the um, startup world where it's yeah. like everything's a startup and it was kind of that uh, learn to code attitude and it's like oh here's this new generation and they're changing all the rules the and generation now, you know the construction worker was like on the street and honestly it fits really well with san francisco considering our uh, streetwalker population yeah for real so and i mean uh, the fucking bulldozers running through the towns and shit it's the the thing is though that they're well, it not opens like, up like rambo yeah it's I yeah well and also the church being a location for resistance is kind of a weird thing yeah. too yeah I don't know it's a good film it's great where is it uh, on your all time uh, oh it's carpenter? one of my favorite oh all I time think carpenter I, oh all uh, mm, number one maybe no it's not one I don't know carpenter the thing tough. is one it's, Jesus is my know. favorite carpenter 
Thank you, Randy. I know we he got the tattoos all over your body to prove it. He is you know it. Um uh I don't know, it might be my favorite. I think over so. over I Ghost love, of Mars. <laughs> over <laughs> Ghost of Mars. <laughs> yeah. That's my go-to. All right. Good job. Uh I'll keep it quick for you. And it's funny that you ended on They Live. Because with my alien theme, I was going to stick with it. And I watched a film that was uh, recommended to me from avid listener uh, Rich out there. Shout out to you. Richie. He sent me to an eBay link. Oh, boy. And said, hey, man, this is a hard to find one. You should Look pick it up. Look at that poster. It is called The Wicksboro Incident from 2003. It is uh, 80 minutes long. That is one of the worst fonts I have ever seen. Oh, a lot of the craft here is not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's not pretty. It feels a little bit like a YouTube movie. That font is Wing Dings adjacent. In 1953, the entire population of Wicksboro, Texas vanished. 45 years later, a witness comes out of hiding to tell the story. This movie, whole oh man, they really want to make the threshold of like watching the whole film as hard as possible. We open up with a talking head. At least it's Cinema Verite. We're David at Byrne? a location. No, 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 no. We're talking, um, uh, cryptid style documentary where we have an overly serious dude talking about his encounter. That's incredibly personal. And, um, man, it lasts for what feels like an eternity. And I was sitting there with the Hoxana and I'm like, it was late. I think we started this movie at 11. It's really the only time we can sneak things in, um, and both watch it. And I'm like, we, we could get out now. Like, I feel so bad that I put on a fucking cryptid movie. But I remember, like, this was a recommendation. And I'm like, you know, maybe I'll stick it out. And thank God we get away from it. And it turns into there's an old dude who finds a couple of uh, wide-eyed cinematographers who are willing to uh, basically go with him on a journey into memory lane. So this guy claims that he was working under an underground lab in Wicksboro and something happened and he came up. And nobody in town was there anymore. And uh, he's like, you know what? I'll bring you to the town if you don't believe me. It's alien related. They go out there. They can't find the town. They get like bummed out. They had to go on private property that's out in the middle of the fucking desert. They come back. He's like, you know what? We needed something. So he gets a wire hanger out of the closet and makes a dowsing rod. Oh, This is the kind of excitement we're dealing with here. He's like, this is what we needed. And the two dudes making the film are like, fuck are we going back and one was like well we got to now and they're like they go back and then guess what the dowsing rod leads them to a plot of dirt he's like here it is we got to dig here we needed shovels and now i i have to point this out um whenever twitter does you know people will post like what are things that look really easy in movies that are incredibly hard in real life my favorite and the number one often is digging a hole We've all seen it. If you're watching a movie about like a Vegas crime, it's like, let's bury the body in the desert. Bada bing, bada boom. There's a six foot hole in that ground. If you've ever dug a hole in your parents' backyard, you know, it is not that case. And uh, they go out here and they make it look tough. It is not a fun journey digging this hole. It is one of the best moments of a verisimilitude in this moment. And they find a door down there and they say, fuck, this proves it. It was a thing. And then a cop rolls up. And they try to hide and then they get kicked out and they're like, oh, sorry, we were filming nature. It's like, dude, it's pitch black out here. What the fuck are you joking? So the next day, early in the morning, they go back and they're like, fuck, we should have went in the door. We should have went down there and pulled something out. 
And uh, guess what? The men in black are there. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So apparently, uh, you know, the Texas men in black story we played earlier is true. And in 2003, they were doing the same thing in Wicksboro. This film's fun. If you're a, if you're a hardened found footage fan, watch it. It, um, 2003, there is a moment in the third act that made me go, Oh shit. Like I did not expect that to happen. And it was a fantastic payoff, but Oh man, this is not a journey for the lighthearted. You really like, this is Randy with, um, his sirens movie. That movie is like a perfect Randy film, even though he gave it too low of a score. Clearly he wanted to give that four. This is like, if you're that kind of dude with found footage, then watch the Wicksboro incident. Having said that, I'm glad I own it. I don't know if I'm ever going to watch it again. Um, but Rich, don't be shy. I'm taking recommendations and I'm running with them. So my next recommendation comes from our uh, friend, his family, Robbie Smith, who before we had him on the show was like, hey, uh, this Jay Burleson dude, he made a faux doc that I think you should watch. Trauma put it out. It's called The Nobodies. Now, uh, Sam was about to leave. We were working on a bunch of project stuff, and I'm like, we should watch a movie. And we just had Jay on talking about the third Saturday in October. So I'm like, you know, I bought the DVD. Should we watch it? Um, I, uh, five-star movie. I'm just going to open up and say that if you want to watch it, buy it. Get the DVD. Although I have to give a shout out to Lloyd Kaufman. This movie opens up with a little, like, it's Lloyd sitting down. We've all seen the horror host thing. Um, Shatner did a few of them for Full Moon. He's sitting there and he's like, hey, uh, I'm Lloyd Kaufman. I'm put out this movie. And he makes a little joke about giving a platform to an Alabama creative. And he's like, you know, you might be thinking Alabama's a little backwards. Like, that's a weird area. And art shouldn't come <laughs> out of there. But you know what? We're proving you wrong. Here's Jay. And they cut to this very long skit where Jay plays the part of a backwards Alabama dude. He has clearly family in like rural locations talking about uh, how one of the dudes in the movie, the nobodies is running for mayor and soon president. And they're like, if you love Trump, just wait till he gets in office. It's going to be great. And they have a friend there who uh, they start calling Charles Manson because he he's pro abortion. And they're like, we got Charles Manson over here. Look at Charles Manson. And he's like, kind of like the doughy looking trauma dude that you're used to. Yeah. And he, <laughs> Later on in this video, it's just like, help me. They're going to kill me. I need to get out of here. Never come to Alabama. And I'm like, when this little, like, actually, it was pretty long. When this skit ended before the movie, I, I turned to Sam and I'm like, who the fuck was that for? Like, it felt like what trauma never delivered for me, which is kind of like anarchist, edgy comedy that nobody's asking for. But these dudes wanted to make it. And Lloyd is giving them a platform. And I'm like, fuck. I, I see it now. Like now that we're living in this moment, that's the thing that they would not show at a film fest. They wouldn't show it in a crowd. And honestly, I thought it was fantastic. And it, I mean, we, we met Jay. He's fucking cool. Um, and I was like, fuck, they're really pumping this movie up for me. And it, it's probably going to suck. Here's another thing. Uh, the synopsis for this film, I'll go ahead and I'll just read it off the back of the DVD. Do. I read it to Sam and he went, Oh my God, dude, this movie sounds too good. It's, what are the odds that it's going to deliver now? Uh, you know, I'll read it from here. In 1993, Alabama-based amateur filmmaker Warren Warner shot his first feature film, Pumpkin, on VHS. With a budget of only $600, a cast of friends, family, and unknown talent, 
The movie premiered at the local Civic Center and generated an immediate backlash from the community. Rumors that Warren and his girlfriend, Samantha Dixon, engaged in satanic rituals before began to spread throughout the town. In the months following the premiere, Warren and Samantha committed suicide. The following year, another group of filmmakers began shooting a documentary about the death of the Warren and Samantha. The documentary project was never completed and Pumpkin was never released. The Nobodies is Warren Werner's Pumpkin in its entirety, cut together with the remaining documentary footage of the director's life and death. Um, that is a fucking hell of a way to sell a movie. Once again, Jay just can't give it to you straight, can he? No, and I'll tell you, <laughs> this movie, um, it is... It is a weird blend of a faux film and a and a document a documentary. Now we watched a Once in Future Smash, right? Did I get that title net right? Yes, you did. So that movie, you know, it's a Talking Heads documentary, and then in the background there's this fictional film. This movie it shows you all of Pumpkin, like it says, but it's interwoven with the documentary. And up top, we all this context is needed because we know that these two people kill themselves and. It is a one. It delivers on a gritty, grimy horror film, Pumpkin. That movie's gnarly. I would, I would own just that movie. Period. Um, and then the documentary feels so real at times that it evokes um, emotional responses that you may not want to have while you're having fun watching a movie. By the end of this movie, I felt uh, emotionally moved and very sad. And it does not deliver on the ending you want. But the ending you needed. I highly recommend The Nobodies. This shit is fucking good. Um, it's fantastic. And it's it's weird to say that it's buried on like Troma Plus or whatever the fuck their streaming thing yeah. is. But you can buy the DVD and it's cheap. I highly recommend people do it. Um, now to keep moving, I got one more. Uno mas. Uh, this was another recommendation. Quick question. Yeah. And I don't mean this. I'm just, you know, give it to me straight. How much, what's the runtime on the movie? On which one? On the nobodies. On the nobody. I think it's under 90 minutes. So how long is the feature film and the documentary? So the, the film was incomplete, yeah. although it feels like mostly complete pumpkin. It's more like a short film. So what, 20 minutes? Maybe. It's it's hard to tell because they're they're crafted together in a perfect feature. Oh, okay. So everything is married. So it's kind of like you watch part of the movie and then you get a talking head of somebody kind of either reacting to the footage, usually not, or um, you get like cinema verite. Like at one point, the director, Warren Werner, goes on a show with Bob R. Brewer. Of course. Dude, the names in here, it's funny because the names are funny, but nothing about this movie is. It feels like tragic. And the the film is hard hitting. It feels like an unearthed movie in there. Like, um, it's it's so good. I can't like that's a fucking five star movie. Did I miss anything, Oksana? Do you want to add in? I know you watched it with us. I, I missed too much of it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> It's good though, and I will be rewatching it with you. Excellent. Um, uh, again, I don't think I answered. It is an uh, hour eighty six minutes, so it's four minutes under ninety. An hour eighty six. I mean eighty six minutes. Uh, <laughs> got too many balls in the air. That's a baseball <laughs> reference, and I can't fucking <laughs> juggle. Um, I can I can fake my way through juggling. If How can one fake their way if, through if juggling? If they're balanced, ob I think real juggling <laughs> is like an unbalanced object that there's a little bit of danger. 
So the last recommendation uh, comes from Pendulette our- would beg to differ. <laughs> Those two are wizards, though. They're not fucking magicians. They're fantastic. They are. Um, uh, comes from our uh, <gasps> comrade Terrell. You saw this. I watched Influencer from 2022. While struggling on a solo backpacking trip in Thailand, social media influencer Madison meets CW, who travels with ease and shows her a more uninhabited, uninhibited way of living. But CW's interest in her takes a darker turn. Um, if you're going to watch this, I believe it's available on what, like Shutter? It's on Shutter. Yeah. Um, I watched the trailer and I decided. Just back that. out now. I mean, I think to have any kind of interesting take on this film, I got to. There's this movie's a suspense that has a lot of like twists and turns, and there's a big one up top. Uh, a hint is if Hitchcock were going to show this movie in a theater, he would bar the doors at a certain point. So fail more- here. It was good to have you on the show. Uh, bye. But I want to get into it. Is there more twists and turns here than in Missing? No, no. Missing was like I feel like they probably had a, a spreadsheet where every five minutes there needed to be something new right. thrown in. All right, <laughs> this is the bad parent. Now this is the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, so influencer, uh, we open up here and there's kind of my first thing. This is a negative because I don't think it's true. This movie kind of takes the premise of if you're a giant influencer, you're lonely. And uh, we, we have that here with uh, Madison. She is a pretty blonde girl living in a giant palace in a remote country and it's paradise everywhere. And this is her job. And she's got a lot of money, but she's unhappy because this is the thing that I think regular people hope for, where if you're an influencer, your life is miserable outside of Instagram. Yeah. And I don't buy it. I just don't think it's true. I think they are the new modern celebrity. And I think they all have their own entourage. If you have money, you can figure out things to do. Maybe it's not the most, maybe when they're older, they'll turn around and be like, well, I fucking wasted my life. But for right now, dude, they're having a good time. And it, it was a little hard for me to buy into this. What ends up happening is she meets a girl. So first, her boyfriend uh, couldn't make it. He's kind of takes the role of a digital pimp. Like, he is the, the producer to his pretty girlfriend. And you get the vibe like he kind of sucks as a boyfriend. So he couldn't be there. But clearly, he's not reading her emotion where she's feeling lonely and she's kind of over this shit. And he's just like, who gives a fuck? I'll see you in a week. So she's out there trying to do shit. She ends up meeting a girl named CW. Uh, now this, this character is played by Cassandra nod. And you, the thing you might notice about her is this gigantic birthmark on her face. Um, apparently she is like an Olympic athlete. She's good at everything. And she is a beautiful woman, but she has a large discoloration that, uh, Grows a lot of hair, apparently. Like Drew Brees. And Drew Brees has a birthmark? Yeah, uh, right here. And it, it's uh, it's dark, just like that. It's just smaller. Exact same. A thing. lot of hair? It's got some hair, yeah. Terrell told me he went on a deep dive on her uh, birthmark, and she was talking a lot about like, well, you know, I could do surgery, which might make part of my face numb forever and get rid of it, or I could just kind of own it and be unique. And interesting enough, they, I mean, here's the thing. In the script here, they touch on it every now and then. And the problem is that such a visual cue, it has to inform the character. So again, if you haven't bailed now, I'm going to get in spoiler territory. I think you already know what's coming. We're doing a very Hitchcockian thing here where um, CW and Madison become friends. And she's like, you know, you're having a bad time. Let me take you out and we'll have a good time. 
Uh, they go out, they party, they come back. Madison's apartment's been broken into and her passport is gone. Oh, no. Now, Chekhov's passport was very clear. When when you see it and she puts it in the drawer, everybody in the audience is going, what are you doing, bitch? Like, get it the <laughs> fuck out of there. Even though she looks like she was living in a vacant mansion in Saudi Arabia. It's like, whoa, this is going to be a problem. Eh, it's a problem. It gets stolen. So it turns out she's got to stay there for two weeks. Her boyfriend's very angry. He's like, you know, you got to shoot. You can't be gone. Ends up breaking up with the boy. Oh, no. Well, good thing CW knows the ins and out of Thailand and takes her around and uh, brings her out to an island. And they're out there on a beach having a beautiful little get together. And Madison's telling her, like, you know, thank you. It's been a long time since I had a friend. Is Birthmark Madison or CW? Birthmark is blonde. CW is uh, Birthmark. Wait, no. Madison is blonde. CW is Birthmark. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And uh, it's the Birthmark you question if it's real or not, because look at how naturally beautiful that girl is. It feels like they're trying to do some like visual metaphor of like, Oh, maybe the outside is, but then you find out it's real and it flips the whole thing. Anyway, she's on the beach and Madison's like, Hey, thank you. You know, this is kind of lonely work and I don't have a lot of real friends. And I'm sure if I told anybody about what I'm doing, they would think that you'd murder me out here. And CW is like, man, I'm not going to murder you. I'm going to wake up before you and I'm going to leave you on the island. And in a couple of weeks, uh, crabs will be eating your corpse because you're not going to know how to survive out here. And it's one of those like slow pan, like it's very like Hitchcock, like, like here's a moment where this character is telling you the truth. And you know, you, you cut to Madison. She's like, Oh, that was, <laughs> that was a little dark, but like, you know, she's laughing and yeah. you know, we wake up in the morning CW still there. And um, this is the kind of storytelling I like. Because she's still there. So you think, oh, shit, okay, it was a joke. I totally thought. And she packs her bags and leaves. And you're like, okay, you know what you're doing with the visual storytelling. And this is the introduction to a very Hitchcockian thing that doesn't happen a lot. We're, we're in fucking American, not American Psycho, Psycho, where we've had a main character who's now been abandoned and we're stuck with the villain. And we're totally put in a position where it's like, you know, uh, as far as, screenplay writing you really root for whoever you're with so you start rooting for cw and we flip the script and we find out that uh much like oksana thinks happened to the poor people in las vegas she's utilizing ai and pretending to be madison Mm. and and it's there's a little bit of a critique here where it's like madison you're not doing anything special like madison anybody could be a pretty blonde who takes a picture in front of a body of water and she's kind of proving it and they never really touch on the birthmark, but it kind of adds a backstory that you don't need where it's like maybe Cassandra, um, who's playing CW, is burnt. Or maybe people have always judged her on her appearance. And she's making this harsh critique of, well, I could kill you and take over your life. And because of the world you've crafted, people won't even look for you because they see you on Instagram doing the same boring shit. And that's good enough for them. Yeah. And the movie's more interesting than that. And there's a lot, there's actually twists and turns again, um, all a missing. But the thing that I loved was they really lean into the Hitchcockian, uh, maybe first appearances or never judge a book by the cover. And characters end up taking on roles that you don't expect. And um, I was like, Terrell was really excited about this. And I went on Letterboxd. I'm like, dude, you gave it three and a half. I'm like, this is an easy four star for me. And I was being kind of like, critical i was taking out my randy hat on this one three and a half and, a good um, score i do dude it is a three <laughs> shut the hell up 
three and a half is like, maybe I'll rewatch it one day for me. Like if, like if Randy showed up and was like, dude, there's a weird foreign instrument in this movie. We got to watch it. I'll be like, all right, <laughs> yeah, I'll throw it on. But yeah, I honestly, a lot of the discourse around this film is caught up on uh, kind of like a horror community breakdown where they're like, I don't know. I didn't like it's all horror tropes they're dealing with. And I'm like, I don't I felt like they navigated a new landscape, like in an interesting way. It is a little bit like there are cam vibes. I've seen it compared to that. Cam is so different, though. That's got a paranormal element to it. This is definitely kind of a more of a take on a psycho and strangers on a train kind of stuff. I don't know. I dug it. Any uh, any effects? Ooh, there's a um, I don't know if you would call it a cutaway kill, but there's a moment with the high heel in here. Okay. That even though we don't see a lot of it, it makes an impact. Okay. So there's definitely a little bit of gore. That's not what we're doing though. Sure. This is more of a like. Uh, Just curious. Yeah. Um. Well, actually, what is the rating on here? It's probably unrated because it's like a shutter movie. It's on shutter. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it feels a little bit more PG 13 with um. There's some nudity. If it, that uh, floats your boat. Any F words? There had to be F words. Any B words? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of the words show up. Okay. Yeah. I dug it. Three and a half? Four. I gave it a four. Oh, thank you so much. I, and I did post my uh, review. I am, I'm trying to catch up on all my letterboxed reviews. So if you see weird random things, like I think I just reviewed uh, the Bigfoot. What the fuck was the Sasquatch skunk ape? experiment oh yeah remember when we oh, covered the, that yeah the florida thing yeah exactly and um i just reviewed that now that was a year ago by the way. people reached out i they're like oh what's up with this movie and i'm like just read the review yeah it you know it's a cryptid thing but it is not it, it's not it's more entertaining than that but it, again it's not great cryptid all right i'm done i promise is that it yeah oh what a show back to back efficient <laughs> Okay, Weeks. I'm glad I'm, we got us back on track there. We are on a, well, what we call it in the baseball world, a hot streak, boys. Yeah, it's more exciting when there's a rain delay, though. Never exciting. <laughs> horrible, horrible. Uh, all right. Uh, yep, we got an episode for you Thursday. Uh, wrap that up uh, just before we started this very recording. Fantastic episode don't you think yeah. wrestle for thursday for our listeners yeah michael's a very cool dude we don't name that's drop right before. randy randy you gotta bleep that also uh, i somebody yeah. i uh somebody reached out and mentioned that in the episode where we use the r word too much randy only bleeped out one of them <laughs> he also took out a very important joke i had oh he there. did so thank you for that. I, i'm sure least, it was offended i at least bleeped one of them and i at least uh redacted a couple things that they probably didn't even here, but I may have missed one. So, Oh my God, Randy, that's where all the humor comes from. Randy, if you're a little like, oh, I don't know if we should do it, then uh, that means definitely it will get a laugh. Yeah. If you're in the need of hiring a suit, <laughs> hire Randy. I Hell need a yeah. suit. Yeah. Next week I'm going to a wedding and that would be a good excuse to bring it to Gotham. Have you, when's the last time you wore a suit? Uh, maybe never. Really? Maybe prom. Yeah. I think that's, my junior prom. I, you wore a suit to prom? I don't think I did, but I I can't remember it. What did I do? Fuck, I have no Hopefully idea. Hopefully you wore a tuxedo. No one wears a What's suit. What's the difference? Oh my God. Like we'll a- see you next week. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. 
And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.